many parts. The idea of being a protector, learning how to defend yourself and protect other people is made up of a lot of moving parts, a lot more than what people think. And we're going to discuss that on today's Peace Walker podcast. The question is, in today's day and age, how do you protect yourself, your family, and your community more effectively? Well, my name is Craig Gray, and today on the Peace Walker podcast, we're going to answer those questions and a whole bunch more. You're going to learn the power of protection, the art of influence, and the confidence of clarity as you build a protector's lifestyle to live, to protect, and to inspire at a whole new level. Craig Gray here, Peace Walker Podcast. You're on episode number 84. Many moving parts. <laughs> Let me say that again if you missed it. Many moving parts. There are many moving parts to learning how to protect yourself and be a guardian of other people. And today we're going to give that some thought. Speaking of many moving parts... If you want to get started on this path as a peace walker and learn, start to learn what those many moving parts are, get on my free home study course. It's on 6daydefense.com. It's all spelled out, 6daydefense.com. Everything's spelled out except for the dot. So if you get on that program, you will start to get accustomed to what these many moving parts are. You also get on my almost daily email list where I'll send you a tip, trick, and tactic every single day. Well, almost every single day, like the title suggests. And uh, I'll tell you stories about different protectors that I've come in contact with out there. I'll tell you some of my personal stories and keep you motivated to this protector's lifestyle and being a peace walker. That's sixdaydefense.com. I hope to see you on it. So many moving parts. I was thinking about this the other day because um, we are so segmented nowadays. We are very segmented into what we like to do, right? If you're a shooter, you like to go shoot. If you, and heck, that, that, that can even be segmented down, you know? Some guys like shooting rifles. Some guys just like shooting pistols. Some guys are into shotguns. Some guys are into, you know, the three gun stuff, but it's really specific to that sport. Or you're into shooting skeet and really specific to that sport. Um, maybe you're a jiu-jitsu guy. You like grappling and you're really into that. Or you're a Krav guy and you're into, you know, the Israeli stuff and you're really into that. Or you are, um, you know, into your Kali or Silat, which is a lot of knives and sticks and stuff. Or you're just a ninja guy, you know, you're, you're only into that stuff. Now keep in mind, some of those approaches are a little bit more well-rounded than others, um, depending on the context. Krav tends to be a little bit more well-rounded because it's a tactical system. Um, although it does have a flavor to it, and it also has a very particular type of approach, usually, right? It uh, tends to be a little more on the violent side. Same thing with the ninjutsu, right? It, it tends to be very well-rounded. However, the slant of its well-roundedness is, you know, like uh, 15th century Japan. So if you like to uh, figure out and, and play with naginatas and katanas and shurikens and, you know, 
sneaking around like a ninja in the in the shadows, then um, oftentimes that's what you're going to get, right? Unless you have an instructor who's into the modern adaptations. When he takes, uh, when you think of Brazilian jiu-jitsu, most of the time you're thinking sport and you're thinking very particular type of engagement, one of two, either MMA or submission grappling, um, where every kind of outcome is ends up on the ground. If you're into Kali, Silat, there might be a little bit of variety, maybe empty hand, blade, and stick. Maybe there's a flexible weapon thrown in there. Maybe there's a karambit or two. But it's all very um, predicated on oftentimes knives and weapons, uh, sticks, machetes, that type of stuff. Uh, very weapons-oriented. And, um, you know, Thai boxing is Thai boxing. Western boxing is Western boxing. If you like going to the shooting range, then you go like to the, go to the shooting range with whatever weapon you have. So my point is, is we have our hobbies, and I have mine too, don't get me wrong, and we have what we like to train. Just be careful that it's not too single-dimensional. You want to be well-rounded if you are going to be a true protector. There is a lot of moving parts to conflict. And if you take the modern urban setting... Let's say whether you're a civilian or you are a professional protector in the security field, a police officer, and to a large degree as well, a a, uh, military personnel, you are going to have to deal with people, first and foremost, verbal conflict, first and foremost, emotional conflict, first and foremost, right? You've got to learn how to keep your composure mentally and emotionally, which really holds true for any of them, right? If you lose your composure, then you're not going to be able to do anything. But obviously in the context of of conflict, you've got to be able to hold your composure. And most likely you're going to have to talk to people 90 some odd percent of the time. Most conflicts in real life, unless you're in a war or something or in a, you know, a tack team to where you're taking out the active shooter, um, usually you're going to have to verbally talk with the individual. Most of the time it starts off as a conversation and escalates thereof. Same thing with a assault or a mugging. Oftentimes it's a verbal engagement first. So you're talking your de-escalation strategies, your persuasion strategies, your influence strategies, and how to keep your composure in the social environment. You're also talking about your awareness skills. Again, we're talking urban awareness. Obviously, hey, if you're a hunter in that, that's awesome. But you also have to have some capacity for understanding the red flags and PCIs or pre-contact indicators in a in an urban setting. And obviously physical skills are necessary, but physical skills come in many flavors. Not just about ground engagement, not just about um, you know, if you're a striker, not just about punching and, and, and stuff like that. 
not just about um, weapons. So not only about your knives and sticks and machetes and uh, you know naginatas and katanas and all that. You know, some of those things are more more far-reaching than others. Obviously, some of the attributes that you can learn from wielding those things, they can be beneficial. And also, um, obviously, they help to round out your training. They're interesting and fun to do. But, you know, depending on what you're trying to accomplish, the practicality might not be as, as uh, eminent as some training methodologies. So one of the things you, you want to be maybe think about, too, are, you know, first aid. Understanding how to be a first responder, stop uh, blood, uh, stop blood flow if you know on someone if there's blood, or you know how do you how do you assess the da- the damage on someone or yourself? Doing a blood sweep, um, you know, applying tourniquets, packing a wound, knowing when you know there's more damage than you're able to handle on a superficial level. Um, there's a lot of different areas that you can get into. Another one is psychological trauma, right? How do you deal with the with the EDP, with a, a emotionally disturbed person? How do you talk someone off the cliff, off the ledge, so to speak? How do you use your persuasion and influence skills to to help de-escalate the circumstance? Um, your deployment skills, you know, how do you access your weapons, whether it's a pepper spray, it's a knife, it's your pistol, um, whatever it is that uh, you're going to be carrying, how do you deploy that? Obviously, disarming techniques. So how do you do disarming techniques on someone who has a firearm or on someone who has a, a blunt instrument like a baseball bat or a stick or someone who has, a, has an edged weapon? How do you deal with multiple threats? How do you deal with protecting someone else, like third-party protection? How do you deal with a security-type situation where you have to escort people out or maybe you know take them to the ground to put handcuffs on them or zip ties or just sit on them until the cops get there? How do you do team-type um, training? You know, uh, if you're trying to break up a fight or something, do you have the capability to lead a team? especially a team that does not necessarily have skill, meaning that maybe they never work together, maybe they're, um, you're just picking random people, which brings us to how do you tactically lead somebody or a group of somebodies? So we haven't even gotten into like the legalities of things. So oftentimes there's legalities involved if things go physical. Um, so there's a lot of areas to consider. So there's many moving parts if you want to really involve yourself in this idea of being a peace walker and a protector. You have to think more of other things more so than just your general hobby or your general like of something. Um, I think it's better to train than not train. So whatever you're training, keep going. And also try to gain some practical skills that may help you in a circumstance as well, more so than just, hey, I can, you know, I'm really good on the ground, or hey, I'm really good with knives, or, you know, I can really shoot well under stress. Um, Because conflict is not a one-trick pony out there, and you can't be either. Uh, Conflict comes in many shapes, sizes, and forms, 
so we've had, we have to be able to adapt and be well-rounded. Most of the conflict is going to come out of you being unaware, you looking like a good target, and or your verbal and communication skills. So your awareness skills, your ability to look confident and, and carry yourself in such a way, your ability to communicate and assess a situation both pre-assessment, meaning you assess it beforehand and decide whether or not you even want to be in there, or assess it during so you can escape and so forth. You know, if there's three main modalities that you should uh, be mindful of, one is escaping or stun and run, if it's a physical in, um, engagement. Two is incapacitating, so how do you take the person down and make sure he doesn't get back up. And then three is... Uh, restraining control. So how do you, you know, break up fights, do escorts, uh, put people in a position to where they can't hurt you, they can't hurt themselves, and they can't hurt other people. Um, and you're using the least amount of force necessary for that. Um, so those are very important skills to have when you're being a protector and when you're being a peace walker. So things to consider, you know, where is your training right now? And do you need help in some of those areas? If you need some help and you want to get going, don't forget to get on my 6-Day Defense program. It's 6daydefense.com. It's all spelled out. It's a very simple approach and very easy to get involved with. It's absolutely free. For six days, you'll get two five-minute videos. And um, you also get on my almost daily email list where I'll email you right to your inbox, a tip, trick, and tactic, and a story of this protector lifestyle and being a peace walker. So that's all I have for you today, gang. Just make a quick assessment of where your skills are and when, where you need for them to be, to be a more well-rounded protector out there. And keep in mind that there are many moving parts. All right, gang, I'll see you on the next one. Take care. The question is, in today's day and age, how do you protect yourself, your family, and your community more effectively? Well, my name is Craig Gray, and today on the Peace Walker podcast, we're going to answer those questions and a whole bunch more. You're going to learn the power of protection, the art of influence, and the confidence of clarity as you build a protector's lifestyle to live, to protect, and to inspire at a whole new level.